0: And there's lots that we can talk about Hezekiah. He's got a very full record of, of his life uh, in Chronicles and in Kings, and also in Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah. You, know, you can talk about Sennacherib and when he met with that, that, that crisis moment, that, as some of these kings often do in his life, met with Sennacherib, and that was the Assyrian king. This is Assyria, the, the great and the terrible the terrifying Assyria that used terrorism, basically fear tactics to submit their enemies. Enemies would know that the Assyrians are on their way and they would basically just give up and and surrender to them because of uh, of their terror tactics. They were brutal. They were um, brutal in, in their dominating of their enemies. They would torture them and they would make that, um, known, very well known, communicated to all the nations. So that's where uh, Hezekiah was in his critical crisis moment. And Sennacherib was, um, was uh, coming up against Jerusalem. And, and that's when, of course, we have the great prayer meeting between Hezekiah and Isaiah. And they cried to heaven, and the Lord delivered. The Lord sent an angel the next day. And 185,000 of the Assyrians were found dead. Just absolutely astonishing answer to prayer. Um, this is a nation that that other nations feared, and yet you see here, without even lift, lifting a single spear, 185,000 Assyrians were found dead. And of course, Sennacherib went back to his home, defeated, eventually killed by his own people. So this is the great prayer of Hezekiah with Isaiah. And that's recorded to us in, actually, in the book of Isaiah. Or we can talk about um, Hezekiah's engineering feats, as we did with the tunnel. We can talk about how uh, Hezekiah offered up that that prayer at the end of his life uh, by extending his life for 15 years. Hezekiah has a lot of Of wonderful aspects of his life that we can learn from. But I, what I wanted to do was actually wanted to to speak a little bit about uh, about the beginning of his life. And I, I remember talking about this before, but I just wanted to touch upon this a little bit again. And this is the very beginning of his of his reign, I should say, second chronicles chapter twenty nine. Hezekiah began to reign when he was twenty five years old, twenty five young man. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. So he starts out young. And verse 2, he did that which is right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. And the very first thing that we see that Hezekiah does, first thing, first year of his reign, first month of the first year, he opens the doors of the house of the Lord and he repairs them. That's his priority. His priority is God's house. And we know that judgment begins at the house of God, and we know that, that the reason why we see, I mean, we would know this, the reason why we see the fallout of our society and the state that it's in is because of the state of God's house. I think that we can come to an agreement on that. It's not because of political leadership. It's not because of the laws of the land. It's not because of the economics, or it's not because of immigration. It's not because of all these things. These are all symptoms. These are all the effects. But the source of the problem, the source of the problem, is always God's house, God's people. I really believe this is this is significant for us because we put a lot of energy, not we literally but collectively we we put a lot of energy into every other form of solution we really do I mean you look at what's going on out there' so much energy is being being put into all kinds of things, and they're good things they're they're not like bad things, but it it seems that that we're missing where the, the root of the problem, where it's all stemming from, is from God's house. And Hezekiah got this. And the first thing he does, I just, I really love that, is he repairs the house of God. That's That should be our priority as well. And you know, This is a little bit of what we're trying to do on this call, and certainly the burden that we have for our own local churches, right? This is not a church. This is not a church. This is not to take the place of a church. We all have our own local churches, many of us anyway, that we're a part of. And the burden really should be taken from here back to our local churches. It really should. I mean, that... This is not to take the place of a local church. Hopefully this will be a a, a help, a a help and an aid in some way. But really it should be only such so that we take whatever we get from here back to our local churches and, and spread it there and be a blessing there in whatever way the Lord allows us to do that and i know that we all fail miserably in that and we're we're not we, we always feel very inadequate but that should be the the desire is god's house so the priority then we see with hezekiah is god's house and then we go down and he right on the heels of that he says hear me ye levites now he's addressing the levites the levites are 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 the ones that were set apart. They didn't have any territorial inheritance. They didn't have physical land like the other tribes did. Uh, and that reminds me of Christians, generally speaking. It reminds me of Christians, generally speaking. You know, we don't, we don't have a permanent dwelling here. We don't have our plot here. We, our, our country is in heaven. We have an, a, a heavenly citizenship and the Levites, they didn't have inheritance. They didn't have physical ownership of any plot on, on the earth. They were actually instructed to go and live in all these cities all around throughout the country so as to spread their influence in all, in, in all the land. And that is very similar to how we as Christians should, should view ourselves as well because we, we don't have anything permanent here we have nothing permanent here no matter how 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 nice of a dwelling that we seek to have it's not permanent we know that it's not permanent our our citizenship is in heaven that's our real home and we're just pilgrims passing through this whole place and so when he's addressing the levites i see it as hey he's addressing me because you know, the Levites, and then you have the the sort of the subset of the Levites, the class of the priests, and I see that as the ministerial class. Okay, and you, you see that distinction all throughout here. But he's addressing the Levites, and he says, Sanctify now yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord, God of your fathers, and carry forth the filth, the filthiness, out of the holy place. He's repairing... And he's calling for sanctification. And, and I do remember talking about this before, but we'll say it again. Priority, number one, sanctification. There's filth. It needs to be taken out. It just does. I mean, it's not rocket science. There's garbage in our lives. There's garbage in the church, perhaps. It needs to be taken out. Sanctification. And and you're just going to have to ask the Lord, put his finger on the things exactly that it means in your life. We're not going to make a list because my list might be a little different from yours. It might not apply to you at all. And then you feel like you got away scot-free. No, you need to ask the Lord, show me, Lord. Search me. And see if there be any wicked way in me. There has to be a a desire in our heart, a fundamental principle for holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is what God's people are commanded to do. And so the previous administration, so Hezekiah, his father was Ahaz, who was a total train wreck, a total train wreck. I, I see him as pragmatic leadership. He did just whatever he thought would work. I mean, you see him there. It's it's really quite sad, where he he goes to this king, and then and that that doesn't, that doesn't work. He goes to another king, the Assyrians, and he gives away some of God's house to him, to, hoping to please him. But that doesn't work. He It says he helped him not. He strengthened him not. And he continued to trespass against the Lord, just continuing down this road of pragmatism, doing this, doing that. And then he starts selling out the vessels of the house of God, cutting it up, selling it for parts, as we said before. And he just, he's just completely a train wreck, one thing after another, after another. And now you come to Hezekiah, and... He has to right the ship. And there's some real sanctification that needs to take place, a removing of the garbage of the previous generation. And let's not fool ourselves in thinking that, well, that's, I mean, surely, you know, the previous generation was not guilty of that. Well, it can be. Carry forth the filthiness out of the place. At the holy place for our fathers verse six, have trespassed they have and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord, our God. And what? and have forsaken him and have turned away their faces, where from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Now that sounds like, well, surely that hasn't happened. But if we think about it, in, in let's just apply it to, to what we're trying to do here with the prayer meeting. Yeah, let's just take that one thing. We can apply it to other things maybe. But that one thing, is there not a sense where when we say that we've lost the prayer meeting somewhere along the way, whether it was our fathers or our fathers' fathers somewhere along the way they have turned their backs and their faces from the habitation of the lord and we have we have mentioned this before the lord has promised he has promised you know we talked about with king solomon he has promised to dwell with his people that his people may find him in the temple and now we're not talking about a physical temple, it's a temple without hands. We are all lively stones, we're all living stones in this great house of God. And he has promised to dwell. Because before he was dwelling in thick darkness, in a cloud, in something that was here today, maybe gone tomorrow. It's it was it was intangible in that sense. But then Solomon built a temple and, and this is the place where God will. We, we know we can meet God here. And, and when we meet together, we, we have the same expectation. We know we can meet God here. Not because of physical temple, but because we are part of the temple. We are the, the living stones in this great house. Well, the fathers have turned their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. Also, they have shut up the doors of the porch They put out the lamps, imagine that, and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. We just need to let let that sink in. Don't relegate this to the chronicles of the kings. Let it speak to us. Because the, because all of scripture is for our learning. They have shut up the doors. They have put out the lamps. They have not burned incense. Nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place. Wherefore. See, this is the connecting piece. This is why we're in the state that. in wherefore. The wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as ye see with your eyes. Man, is that not relevant for our day? Are we not in a heap of trouble and astonishment, meaning what? Appalling Horror, what we're seeing today is appalling. And hissing, which implies reproach. They have no respect for God's people, for God, for His Word, for His Son, for His name, for His day. Nothing. No respect. Hissing, reproach, mockery even. You have seen it with your eyes. You're looking right at it as we are as well. And look, for lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword. Our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Our families are in bondage. This is the state of affairs. Now, verse 10, it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, addressing us, be not now negligent. Don't be slothful in this. For the Lord hath chosen you, you, to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister to him and burn incense. Incense is always a picture of prayer. Whenever you see that, think of prayer. And I'll just finish by saying this. The Lord has chosen you. The Lord has chosen you. You don't believe it? Believe it. The Levites were there. They were they were chosen, they were set apart. We are as well. If you're if you're a God, if you are a child of God, it applies to you. Because you've been chosen. It's a royal priesthood. And he has chosen you to stand before him and to burn incense. Perhaps it's been snuffed out, perhaps it's been stopped, perhaps it's been disregarded in some way. Well, the Lord has chosen you to to start back up, to burn incense. And in your corner of the world and me and mine, the Lord has chosen you. Just feel that. Feel the directness of that. The Lord has chosen you? Me? Yes, you. Not me. Yes, you. He's chosen you. To burn incense, to stand before him, to minister to him. If you can hear his voice, he has chosen you. So let's let's hear the admonition here. Let's let's repair and let's sanctify ourselves. And let's Restart, relight those lamps that have been burned out and burn incense to the Lord. Amen.